The title of what I'm sharing with you this morning is The Outpouring. That's what I'm speaking about, The Outpouring. If you'd like to jot that down, if you're making notes, please do so. Now, please turn so long to Acts chapter two. We'll get there in a few moments time, Acts chapter two. If I could just have a tad more level on my mic, I'd appreciate that. For those of you that joined later this morning, today is Pentecost Sunday. Some of you that slipped into church a little later, all right, it's Pentecost Sunday. It is a significant event in the church calendar. If you don't see it as significant, I wanna tell you it is significant. What is Pentecost Sunday all about? In essence, it is about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon God's people. You see, 2,000 years ago, God poured out His Spirit upon the disciples. This was in Jerusalem, this was in the upper room, and the church was birthed with power. God never intended that His church would be powerless or have precious little power. It was always His plan and design that the church of Jesus Christ would have the power of the Spirit operating in the church. And so when we see churches where there's basically no experience of the power of God and of the manifested presence of God, that's not the way God intended it to be. He wants his church operating in his power. I wanna say to everyone here that after this message is shared, do not be in a rush because there's gonna be an opportunity to pray for anyone that would like to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is for anyone who knows and loves Jesus. If Jesus is Lord of your life, you first have to be saved, okay? And then we can pray for you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that a godly hunger and a thirst would stir in people's hearts today. So when we pray a little bit later, this is not prayer for some other need or job or relationship situation. This is to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So I'm on a mission today. Is anybody with me on this mission? Okay, fantastic, hallelujah. So be ready for that. Now, let's look at Acts chapter two, verse one to 18. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so you can follow it on the screens. It says, on the day of Pentecost. Praise God for the day of Pentecost. Here it is. We are experiencing Pentecost Sunday. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Now, try to picture yourself there. You're in this upper room. Suddenly, there's the sound from heaven. By the way, I love the sounds that come from heaven. Anybody else? The sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Welcome Pentecost. There it is right there. Filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. 
And when they heard the loud voice, the loud noise, so this was heard outside of the upper room. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. Now, by the way, Galilee wasn't where all the sharpest, most educated people dwelt, okay? These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, verse nine, and then it mentions about 15 different nations that were present there, and it mentions all these different nations, and Judea, and Egypt, and Libya, Cyrene, etc. and it says, and in verse 11, jumping to verse 11, and we all hear them speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. They said, what can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Always gotta have somebody who's got a wise aleck, eh? They're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles. Now, just listen here. Then Peter stepped forward. I wanna tell you that there are times in your life where you, under the anointing of the Spirit of God, you need to step forward and do what God has called you to do. The boldness of the Spirit of God is there to help you, but there comes time when you have to stand up and you have to speak up, you have to open your mouth, and you have to be a vessel for Jesus. You can't say, well, shyness is my gift. I'm sorry, I do not see that as one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not at all. There comes a time when you open your mouth. Please tell the person next to you, open your mouth. I learned that from a dentist. And so here, Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. He said, listen carefully. All of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, Make no mistake about it. This is Peter being very determined. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And here he brings in the prophecy of the prophet of Joel. And it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Say that with me. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And then he carries on, and basically it's like the communication lines are open. Listen to this. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Communication. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, communication. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Hallelujah. Can we thank God for the day of Pentecost? <laughs> Praise God. And so don't forget, Jesus, 10 days prior to this, he had ascended into heaven, but before that, he had said, listen, you need to go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. So here are these disciples, they're up in a place in Jerusalem, perhaps it was the upper room the whole time, I'm not exactly sure, 
and they're waiting and they're praying and they're waiting and they're praying. It must have been a little bit frustrating, frustrating because when's God gonna break through? Sometimes I wanna tell you, when you are praying and you're not experiencing an immediate breakthrough, don't stop just yet. Push, pray until something happens. Push through until something happens. Some people have stopped before the outpouring. So they pray. This is a prayer meeting. Maybe it's kind of a regular prayer meeting. That's what happens next is suddenly everything changes. There is the sound of a wind. It doesn't seem to be it was a physical wind, but it was the sound as of a mighty rushing wind, a violent wind came and swept through there. Next thing, tongues began to appear. Tongues of fire began to settle on each person representing the fire of the Holy Spirit coming upon the new temples of God. Or don't you know that you're a temple of God? The fire came upon the temple and then they were all filled with the Spirit and began speaking in other tongues. What an incredible meeting that must have been to be a part of. You know, I'm sometimes thinking, well, maybe when I get to heaven, I'll say, God, can I just have a look at some of these old movies, you know, these eight more films or something like that? No, probably by then, you won't even want that anymore. You'll be so in the fullness of God. But what an incredible thing. Now, let the story of Pentecost inspire you today. Don't just sit there and let it go over your head and say, well, I've been a Christian for 15 years. I've heard this for 15 years in a row. No, let it stir your heart. There are three points I'd like to share with you. Number one, a deeper understanding of Pentecost. Would you say this out aloud with me? A deeper understanding of Pentecost. I'm of the opinion that many people, they have an understanding of the day of Pentecost, but not much beyond that. What does the word Pentecost mean? Well, pente is a Greek word which means five. Pente means five. Like for instance, there's a building in America called the Pentagon. It's a five-sided building. Pente, five. The second part of the word is coste. Coste is a suffix that means times 10. So simply put, that is five times 10. Therefore, Pentecost means 50th. Would you say 50th? That's what Pentecost means. It means 50th. And it is the 50th day after Passover, after Easter Sunday, that this occurs. And it specifically refers to the Feast of Pentecost. Now, what is the Feast of Pentecost? Because earlier on in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it started back there. And I was thinking, well, I'd like to know a little bit of how it started back there. So the Feast of Pentecost It is a feast that celebrated the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, which took place in Old Testament times. And here, Moses, he's up on Mount Sinai. And by the way, young people, it's not Sinai. He's up on Mount Sinai. And uh, he's receiving the law from God. And it took place, listen to this, exactly 50 days from their exodus out of Egypt. God works in great details. In other words, exactly 50 days after their Passover. And so today, the Feast of Pentecost still takes place 50 days after Passover, which means that it was 50 days ago that we were celebrating Resurrection Sunday. 
Now, the Feast of Pentecost is also referred to as the Feast of Weeks. Would you say Feast of Weeks? It's referred to as that because it occurs seven weeks after Passover. I'd like to just read to you the specific verse, you don't have to turn there, where Pentecost was instituted in the Old Testament. And it says in Exodus 34, 22, God said, you shall observe the feast of weeks. This is the feast of Pentecost. The first fruits of the wheat harvest. So right there, in one sentence, God institutes the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost, and the people were instructed that they would celebrate this feast every year, and there were also some other feasts as well. So right there in the Old Testament, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. One more scripture. Let's look at one more reference to Pentecost in the Old Testament. It's found in Leviticus 23, verse 15 to 16. God said, you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. And then, listen to this, you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. And here is the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. Something which is just interesting in my studying of the passage is that Moses went up Mount Sinai and he received the law. Jesus went up into heaven and then the Holy Spirit was given. God works in mysterious and wonderful ways. But here's the big question about the Feast of Pentecost. Why did God choose the Feast of Pentecost as the moment to pour out His Spirit? Why this feast? God does nothing by chance. He's very intentional. Why then? And the answer is, listen, because it is a harvest festival. Now, there's a significance in there. It's a harvest festival, a time to thank God for the beginning of the wheat harvest. You see, the first fruits of the wheat harvest were offered to God at this time, at the Feast of Weeks, at the Feast of Pentecost, along with other offerings. And so the significance is, listen, child of God, God was saying that it is harvest time. That is what God was saying. And that's why he specifically chose that time to release the Holy Spirit on the time of Pentecost. And you know what? Harvest time was proved right there on the day of Pentecost, and that is why 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. They got saved on that day. God was confirming his word with signs following because it was harvest time. And then 2,000 people in Acts chapter four were added as well. So first 3,000 people get saved. Next, 2,000 people get saved. What is God saying? I'm releasing my spirit on the feast of Pentecost on the Harvest Festival because it is time for the harvest to come in. It is time for the end time harvest. Now come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. It's harvest time. And by the way, the impact that was made on Jerusalem was massive. So these 5,000 people got saved, not only saved, they got baptized, they also got filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And at that point in time, somewhere between 25,000 to 85,000 was the population in Jerusalem. And in that short space of time, 5,000 people were saved. What a massive impact was happening in Jerusalem. And I wanna tell you the good news today is that it is still harvest time today. The fields are white unto harvest. People want to get saved. Amen. Now, on to point number two. Pentecost empowers you to bring in the harvest. I wanna spend just a little bit more time on this point. Please say this with me. Pentecost empowers you to bring in the harvest. It says in Acts 1 verse eight, Jesus said, but you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I see the key phrases here as receive power, be witnesses. Receive power. Pentecost, receive power, be witnesses. What does it mean to be a witness? It simply means to tell others about Jesus Christ, to make him known and to share his love. And I think some of us, when we hear the word witness, we like freak out. We think this is, I, I can't do this. Maybe somebody who studied theology can do this. Don't be freaked out by the word witness. It means you simply talk about Jesus. You tell about Jesus. And you know what? You may not have to cross uh, the, you know, the continent over to another country. You might not have the Lord calling to you to Mongolia or to Vancouver or something like that. Yes, praise God for the many that are called to go far with the gospel. But I wanna tell you that for the majority of the church, they're not gonna go that far. Here it is, just reach your own world. Tell it to the person next to you, just reach your own world. Tell them that. Reach your own world. You see, there are people around about you that only you come into contact with in that lecture hall, in that classroom, in that call center that you're working in, in that banking institution, in that medical center that you're in. There's people that you are getting to that I will never be able to get to, but they're your world. And God is saying, I empower you and you become a witness and I flow through you. And it says in Acts 2 verse 11, back to the NLT, it says, we all hear these people speaking now, this is the locals that came and heard the disciples speaking in these foreign languages. We all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Now that is beautiful to me. I think some of us think we've gotta give some sort of theological arguments. But they were just talking about the wonderful things that God has done. And this is what it means to be a witness. It's actually simple. Just tell people about Jesus. Tell, him about, tell them about the wonderful things that God has done. What's also interesting, as these disciples were speaking in other languages, they weren't talking about sin. They weren't talking about repentance. They weren't talking about judgment. Now, at times I understand that needs to be spoken about, but here, in this language that God was giving them, they were just talking about the wonderful things that God has done. And sometimes Christians are seen as judgmental. 
And maybe we need to learn from what we read here in the book of Acts. Talk about the wonderful things that God has done. What has he done? He's paid the price for your sin. He's lifted off that guilt, that condemnation. He's given you a new heart. He's given you a new spirit. He's put his spirit in you and causing you to walk in his ways. How many of you agree? Those are wonderful things that God has done for us. The wonderful things that he's done for us. But I want to say it's important that you do not witness in your own strength. You witness in his supernatural power, the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, I really, in my life, I endeavor to rely on the Holy Spirit. I believe that I don't preach in my own human ability. It would be a dismal failure. But somehow, God flows through us, all of us, as his vessels, and you think you're just talking ordinary words and you realize God is speaking to people's hearts and he's changing hearts and lives. Now, would you say the word tongues? What's interesting is in Acts 2 verse 3, it says, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one. I asked this question, why was it called tongues of fire? Well, it could be that because little flames maybe look like little tongues. I guess that's quite an obvious answer. But I believe that there could be a deeper meaning because listen to this, God wants to set your tongue on fire. Those tongues of fire, I believe, can be speaking of your tongue as well, that he wants to set it on fire and he wants to make you a powerful witness for him, amen? Now, Something else that I just want to mention here under this point of Pentecost empowers you to bring in the harvest, what I find is a worthwhile question is this, why did the 120 on that day begin speaking in foreign languages, languages from other communities, earthly languages? I mean, can you imagine these Galileans starting to speak in foreign languages? And can you imagine the people around, they were people like Arabs, Egyptians, Asians, Libyans, Cretans, and they are hearing these Galileans, and they know that they can't speak their language. They're hearing these Galileans speak in their own earthly languages. Now, I'm thinking, God, why in the earthly languages? Firstly, let me say that this is the only time in Scripture where the baptism was followed by earthly language as recorded in Scripture. Thereafter, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was always followed by speaking in heavenly and unknown tongues. But nevertheless, in this instance, they were speaking in earthly tongues. So I say, what is the significance? Listen to what one theologian writes. This gathering of the nations was the perfect platform for the launching of the worldwide mission of the church. This event told the Jerusalem church that God intended the gospel for all the nations in their own languages. And so basically, it was about the spreading of the gospel, the spreading of the gospel. Otherwise, the Jerusalem church might have thought, well, this is just for us. We wanna keep this. We're happy in our holy huddle. And God said, no, this is gonna go far and wide to the very ends of the earth. And do you know that the people that were saved there at Pentecost, they would have returned to their homelands because they were there for the Feast of Pentecost. 
They would have returned to their homelands. They would have shared the good news. And so, literally, the gospel was spreading like wildfire. And it's still God's plan that the gospel will spread like wildfire. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. So to recap point number two, Pentecost empowers you to bring in the harvest. My last point, point number three, are you still with me? Please give a nudge to the person next to you. Give them a little nudge there. Okay, fantastic. Don't ask them for sweets now. This is not a good time. Oh boy, John, focus. Number three, enter into Pentecost for yourself. Please say this with me. Enter into Pentecost for yourself. Say it a little louder. Enter into Pentecost for yourself. As I'm standing here today, I want to ask you, have you entered into Pentecost for yourself? Have you had a day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came upon you and you were baptized and then there was an evidence of tongues? So Acts 2 verse 4, it says, and they were all filled, take note, all, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know what I love about this is they all entered in. I wanna encourage you, child of God, don't be a spectator. When it comes to the things of God, be a participator. Be somebody who says, I'm not gonna stand on the edge of the banks of the river. I'm gonna go and get it for myself. And so I wanna say, don't just marvel at the story of Pentecost, which is a marvelous story, but experience it for yourself. And there are some religious Christians who talk about Pentecost. They probably admire the story, but they stop short of getting it for themselves. Don't be one of those people. Determine, I am gonna receive the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, when you read a story like this from Acts chapter two, this is meant to shake you. It is meant to get you moving. It is meant to stir such a godly hunger in you that you cannot take it anymore, that you just wanna begin to cry out for the Spirit of God, and you wanna say, God, baptize me with your Spirit. This is what this passage should do to you today. It should challenge every bit of complacency. And it should say, I wanna live a life where I'm so full of you, precious Holy Spirit. In that upper room, there were 120 believers. So according to my maths, that's 12 disciples and 105 others. Just kidding, check in if you're awake. 12 disciples and 108 others. I'm just teasing. So there were 120, but listen to this. Everyone in that room was filled with the Holy Spirit. Not one was left out. I think that's so wonderful. This makes me tell you today that the Holy Spirit is for every blood-washed believer. Everyone entered in, everyone participated. The Holy Spirit is for you. And so afterwards, do you think that these people had doubt that they had experienced Pentecost? No, they had no doubts. And you too can know for sure that you have received Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I wanna ask you this question. Do you know 
that if you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, do you know that you can impart that to other believers who haven't yet received that? You need to know that. Every single spirit-filled believer can pray for another believer who hasn't yet experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit and release the gift of the Spirit in terms of the baptism onto them. I remember a story years ago in my home cell. So I was about 18, 19 years of age. It was my first home cell that I ran and uh, I had taken it over from Byron. Byron was my shepherd and I was the home cell leader. Uh, and I was pretty new at it, maybe led about five or six times. And we had a nice little group, maybe about 12, 13 people. We were still growing. So one night, uh, a lady called Debbie, a young lady called Debbie, she rocked up at Life Group and she said, can you please pray for my cousin? She brought her cousin with. She wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. Now here I am, 18 I've never prayed for even the dog to receive tongues. Excuse me. Yeah. I've, I've never prayed for anybody to receive the, the gift of tongues. Sorry, maybe I shouldn't have said the dog. Okay. But I've never prayed for anybody to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so for, for a moment, I was like, oh, shucks, what am I going to do? And I thought, John, just be cool, smile and wave. Just be cool. Just be. And I just decided, no, chuck this. I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to trust God. So right there in the, in the meeting together, a couple of us stood around her, and I can't even remember her name, and I laid hands on her head, and I said the following, I said, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would receive the baptism and the full impartation of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And I said, now you just begin to receive, you just begin to receive. And then she was just drinking and just receiving. A few moments later, we began to pray around her in tongues. And I said, I just wanna encourage you, open your mouth, because there is this aspect of faith and believing. Open your mouth and now just begin to speak. And within moments, a prayer language, which was heavenly, just began to bubble out of her mouth. So much so that tears followed, just streaking down her cheeks. Why? She knew without a doubt she had just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, this is biblical about laying on of hands and imparting because it says in Acts 19 verse six, it says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. Paul laid hands on them. Did Paul anoint them with oil? No. I suppose you can anoint somebody with oil. No problem. It's a sign of the Holy Spirit. Did Paul fast and pray before the time? No. Here is Paul, a spiritful believer, and all he does, he lays hands on them, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they receive the baptism and the evidence of tongues, and they begin to prophesy. Come on. I wanna challenge people under the sound of my voice, if you have never prayed for somebody for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I pray that faith would arise and that God would use you to pray for somebody. Don't just say, well, go to my pastor, go to, the, go to the life group leader or something. You, as a spiritual believer, you can pray for them. Let faith arise, let faith arise. God's desire is that the ministry is back in the hands of the people. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm drawing to a close. But there's a very important scripture that I need to read to you. And it's in John 7, 37 to 39. I read this at the start of our time together. And it says, on the last day, 
The great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, please say the word thirsts. Let him come, say that next word, come to me and drink. Verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so there are four keys in this passage. They are steps to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They are steps to receiving the infilling of the Spirit. Number one, thirst. People that desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna give you an opportunity now. Number one, thirst. Number two, come. Come to the Lord. You'll be coming to the front. And then it says drink. You don't take a glass of water and in three seconds, it's gone. You drink and you drink and you drink. And that's why sometimes we just need to stand you. You just begin to drink and drink and drink. And then it says, and believe. What are the keys? First, come, drink, believe. First, come, drink, believe. And then out of the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's talking about the flow of the Spirit of the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise, amen.